September 2019. An SD card is found on a busy street in Anchorage, Alaska. The woman who finds it takes it home and views its contents. And before long, the police become involved. Has this killer killed before? And if so, where? Primary sources for this episode include IOL South Africa, The South African, Times Live South Africa, The Independent, The Ledger, Alaska's News Source, Heavy and Anchorage Daily News. Surprise! Welcome back to episode 80 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad. Or a bit of a twist with this one, the first one we've been doing, but it's not the last because I've got a few on my list. So... It is finally cold in Melbourne. Summer stretched into April, which I remember that when I was a kid going to the beach in April, but I love winter, I love autumn, and it's just started raining outside and it's glorious. Um, So I want to say first off, rest in peace to Prince Philip. I am a huge royalist and he has always been pretty much my favourite. It didn't surprise me that he died overnight because he was 99, but I did hope he would get to 100. And despite a few, like, I was going to say a really naughty word, despite a few QAnoners who seem to think that these people drink, like, adrenochrome or whatever, um, Prince Philip had a really interesting life. He had a very tragic life and he knew struggle. And he was a war hero and he was the rock of our beloved Queen Elizabeth, for 73 years. And I can't imagine how she's feeling right now. No matter how tough she is, I'm sure that she feels like she's got a limb missing. Um, And, you know, I had a a lovely grandfather, my mum's dad, and he died when I was 14. And I just thought how lucky his grandchildren, not Harry, um, were to have him for as long as they did. And, you know, for his children to have him into their 60s and 70s because, you know, I still remember my grandfather. He um, he was a real gentleman. He was a bit naughty like Prince Philip. Um, he was a royalist and, you know, he died when I was 14 very suddenly. And I always, you know, think of him all the time. Um, And I'm 33 now and he's been gone longer than I knew him. But I remember things he says and, you know, um, they just don't make them like that anymore. So I'm thinking of you guys in the UK because as much as he was, you know, 99, um, you know, he was there for your entire lives and for, you know, most older people's lives. And he was, you know, kind of a cornerstone for Britain. So on to... Better news. Um, new patron Laura in Galway. Lauren Galway. I haven't been to Galway, but I kind of have because I went to, um, well, I watched PS I Love You when I was a teenager about 50 times. <clears throat> and I always thought, what's the likelihood of going there and finding like such good looking guys like both times, like Jared Butler and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So I'm sure that's not like a really good interpretation of Galway. What does she say? She's looking for Dunlager Harry, and he says Dunleary, so there you go. So, this week, I have bought you an extra episode because I know some of you are going through the shit. I totally get it. Um, Things were turning around with my job, and then people just ignore you, prospective clients, people just change their minds, it sucks. I think I'm going to have to go and get, like, a job in a bar or something because it's just not not going well. My business was so good um, before all this shit. Yeah. 
And I don't really know what else to say. I've kind of been up all night, you know, worrying about it and stuff. But, you know, what can you do on a Saturday about it? So I know how you are feeling, a lot of you, and kind of upset and lonely. So I'm here for you. And I'm going to tell you a really fucking horrible story. Um, so this is patron location request for patron Elizabeth. Elizabeth is from just outside of Cardiff in South Wales, an area that we've been to before because Swansea is in the South Wales area as well. And that's where um, Tappy went missing in Swansea. Someone wrote something like really abusive like um, on my, my reviews and they were like, just get to the fucking point. And it's like, all right, fucking just another one who doesn't know geography. So Elizabeth, she requested either Toronto, I know they say Toronto, or Alaska. And I looked fucking everywhere for about a month on and off for somewhere in Toronto for a case. And there was just nothing. There's a case of flight attendants from Pakistan and India, like, you know, in transit, just pissing off into the wilderness and just leaving because they hate India and Pakistan so much. But that wasn't enough to really flesh out a story. So then I turned to Alaska and again, I couldn't find one that fit the podcast because it has to be someone from, not from the USA. And, you know, so I finally stumbled across this story of Brian Stephen Smith. Now, I just want to say to people who don't get it, because I know that a lot of people always bring this up. He doesn't go by the name Brian Stephen Smith. Like John Wayne Gacy didn't go by the name John Wayne Gacy. They just include when they're publishing this stuff, the middle name, because it narrows down the likelihood that there's some poor bastard called John Gacy walking around who fucking everyone hates all of a sudden and thinks he's a boy killer. So this guy's name was Brian Stephen Smith, but I will call him Brian Smith. And I thought for the first time, why don't we do an international killer in an area? Because I have a few on my list. Some of them are really notorious. So I just want to say the Anchorage Daily News on the US side did really good coverage of this case. It hasn't had any updates for about a year now, pending trial. And in South Africa, IOL South Africa did really, really good coverage on this because he's South African. And, you know, they're kind of not thrilled that one of their own went overseas and killed someone. Now, this has completely bypassed the interest of major networks, I realised. There's no coverage from CNN or the BBC. Um, and then I started to think, is it because it's Alaska and this this state is so far up, it's actually next to Canada, not the US? Or maybe everyone's right and maybe they're not interested because it's not Natalie Holloway and it's not Madeleine McCann, it's Native Alaskan women who I didn't know a whole lot about. Um, so you decide. So let's get into this case. Let's take us back just over a year, is that right? Yes. To September 30th, 2019, before all this shit happened and we were all still free citizens. So a woman is walking down quite a busy street in Anchorage, a major city in Alaska, the 49th state of the USA. And she's going about her business, going to do her grocery shopping. And she looks down and there is an SD card on the ground and she picks it up. Now, I have not used an SD card for ages. I know a lot of you who use video cameras and proper cameras and things like that do. It took me back to actually using a digital camera and I took it everywhere with me. So she looked at it, she picked it up. This woman remains unnamed to this day and I understand why. So she took it home and she plugged it in, you know, to whatever, her computer or her camera, and she looked at the contents and I'm pretty sure that she wished that she hadn't. 
This SD card was titled, when she opened it, it had a folder, which was full of videos and images, and the folder was called Homicide at the Midtown Marriott. Now, there was 39 images and 12 videos in this folder, and the woman, being a sticky beak, but in this instance, if she hadn't and had just thrown out the SD card or something, we don't know what would have happened with this case. Now, these images you know, and they meet a data or whatever, were dated between the 3rd to the 5th of September 2019. So just a few weeks before she'd picked this up. And she looked at the doc contents and I can only think that she probably thought, the first thought that I had was the movie 8mm with Nicolas Cage and Joaquin Phoenix. And the whole point of the movie is they are hired or Nicolas Cage is hired to track down a snuff film a film that they don't know if it's real or not. It's someone being killed on film and they're trying to track down who this girl is and whether or not she was really murdered on the film. Now, she called the police and the police came to the house at about 4am. So that's how you know it's pretty serious. Now, detectives viewed the photos and the videos, which were incredibly graphic. On these photos and videos, a woman, a native Alaskan woman, was being raped, beaten and murdered. Now, according to a later bail document, in the first video, the person or man, the person filming on this camera was slapping and strangling a woman with his right hand around her neck. Now, the first image on the SD card showed a female Alaskan woman with dark hair lying on the floor next to a bed. The woman was completely naked and laying on her back. Her left eye was completely bruised and swollen shut. There was blood along the opening of her left eye. Her right eye was partially open and her lips were bloody and blue. Then there were further images of the body later on wrapped in a sheet with her head exposed being rolled onto the back of a black pickup truck. Now, in the second video on the SD card, the man in the recording talks and he's saying things such as, quote, my hand's getting tired, quote, unquote, and he proceeds to stomp on this native Alaskan woman's throat with his right foot. You can hear him saying, which you can't because no one has access to this other than the police, these images and videos, but he is saying in the video, quote, you need to fucking die, bitch, unquote, and quote, just fucking die, unquote, and he's laughing on and off throughout it. Now, the police, it was taken back to the police in Anchorage, which is a pretty small population, and we'll get into that in a bit. And a task of detectives were very quickly assigned to it to figure out who this person was and who this woman was. Now, they noted that in the video, the woman did fight back. Quote, she attempted to scratch at the man's wrist with her right hand to get him to stop, unquote, authorities said. But her efforts were futile. Timestamps indicated that the images from the hotel room were taken on early in the early morning hours of September 4th, around 1am. Now, on the video, one detective that was tasked with reviewing the video and photos, it was incredibly lucky that he was tasked with this and got to look at it because something stood out to him immediately. The accent of the perpetrator didn't fit in in Anchorage, Alaska. It didn't actually fit in in the United States. And there were very few people in Anchorage with this accent. But 
Nobody had been found of a native Alaskan woman in the city who met the description of the woman in the video, so detectives had their work cut out for them. But luckily for them, the perpetrator had made it pretty easy for them. Kathleen Jo Henry was born on December 22nd, 1988 in Bethel, Alaska. She grew up just outside of Bethel in a native Alaskan, native, they refer to themselves as native Alaskans, in a native Alaskan village of about 300 people. And I was watching quite a bit of YouTube stuff because I didn't really know a lot about native Alaskans. I they are sometimes referred by themselves to Eskimos. That's really all I knew them as. Um, but I didn't know that they had these villages where they completely live off the land um, and how much of that land is really being affected by the world changing. So Kathleen Henry, she was an Alaskan native woman. And once she left the village and entered Anchorage, she fell on hard times in her 20s. She was imprisoned in Alaska's Highland Mountain Correctional Centre, which is a state prison in the Anchorage neighbourhood of Eagle River. And by the age of just 30 in 2019, she was divorced, she was single and addiction was pretty much ruling her life. She was very regularly picked up by police for misdemeanours and she was homeless at the time she vanished. But one thing was consistent about Kathleen. She was always on Facebook. She was always kind of writing. She was always in touch with her friends and family and she was always loved writing poetry. Kathleen's photos show this kind of chubby-cheeked Native Alaskan woman. She looks like she would have been fun and it's very sad what happened to her because I'm sure that she probably had potential. But in September 2019, the same month that the ST guard was found, Kathleen Henry vanished. There's little on this. There is little on who reported her missing. Um, but we ultimately do know, I think her family reported her missing not long after she vanished. It couldn't have been very long. We also don't know how she met her murderer. So we've been talking about Alaska. So let's get into a little bit about Alaska. Now, Alaska is on my top five bucket list destinations. A few years ago, before I had a mental breakdown, which I talked about on the Asha Kramer case, I actually had a return ticket booked that I'd bought, um, returned to Los Angeles, and I was going to buy, go to LA, <laughs> um, San Francisco and Alaska, just to be weird. But I never ultimately went and I lost all my money on that flight. I couldn't get a refund because it was such a good price. One day I hope that, you know, the patrons and followers of this, maybe we can all meet up and do something. So what do I think of when I think of Alaska? Well, I think of Sarah Palin, of course, um, and her pregnant 16-year-old daughter and seeing Russia from her house. I see ice, fishing boats, people going up there to work on fishing boats. I think of, is it Robert Hansen, um, that butcher baker killer who killed um, sex workers in Alaska? And I think of that vampire movie, 30 Days of Night, where the vampires come out once wherever they are in Alaska, hits the time in the year where it just goes dark and the sun never comes up. Now, the 49th US state is actually adjacent to Canada. If you look at it on a map, it's really strange. I've always thought that it belongs to the US. And adjacent to that on the east is the region known as the Yukon. Now, it once belonged to Russia. Um, and its name is actually Russia, Russian. Alaska is Russian. I don't know what it means. But Ultimately, the US purchased it in 1867, and it was finally admitted to the Union in 1959. Now, our mate from the last episode, Putin, came up in my search on YouTube. There was a clip of him being asked if 
Russia planned on buying Alaska back? It was a really dumb question. When would that ever happen? Um, and he said, what? It's a dumb question. And he said, we've got enough cold territories. And they said they refer to Alaska in Russia as ice Crimea, not ice cream. Now, the Alaskan capital is actually Juneau, but the largest city is Anchorage, where we're going for this case. And the former capital of Alaska was actually Sitka. And Sitka is the largest US city by area. It's really sprawled out. Now, Alaska is the largest US state by area, but the population is only just over 700,000 people. It has the lowest population density in the USA, which means there's areas where there's no one for miles, which I can understand why Robert, is it Robert Hansen? Why he decided to hunt women in these areas, because there's just no one around in certain rural areas, even in certain urban areas. There's something really magical about Alaska, and for those who love the great outdoors, the place is the place to be. Top destinations in Alaska include the Denali National Park, various other national parks, fjords, glaciers, you know, and seeing many of these wild animals that they have out in the wild. And I love bears, so I've, I would love to see a bear not in a zoo. And many consider seeing Alaska, the best way to see it is by the Alaska Railroad, which is obviously a railroad, but you can also take cruises in Alaska as well. Now, as I write this, as I wrote this last night, this script, this part of it, it was 7pm local time in Alaska and the weather was minus nine degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Sorry about that. But certain areas in the winter get to minus 35 or more right in the depths of winter. But it actually surprised me that summer gets into like the late 30s in Celsius, which is really hot. In fact, over half of the population of Alaska live in Anchorage. Anchorage has a diverse population, which is what comes into play with this case. Cinnamon's talking to you guys. More than 200 languages are spoken in the Anchorage school system, including, you know, various dialects of um, native Alaskan dialects, but it's not uncommon to hear people speaking with different accents like Russian or Hmong, which is from Lao. Now, Alaska was occupied by various indigenous people for thousands of years before the arrival of Europeans. In fact, this video I watched said it was like they dated it back to 11,000 years or something. In fact, the indigenous population of Alaska makes up 15%, which is the highest of any state in proportion, which means that they have quite a big say, you know, in local government and parliament and things like that. Now, I was watching this video um, on, it's on YouTube, it's by Grunge, and it's called What Pre-America Alaska Was Like. And it's only like six minutes, but it's really interesting. It talks about how actually... Before the last ice age, the interior of Alaska was actually really green. So there wasn't this need to this extreme survival mechanism that you had to have. The decline of certain species like mammoths and giant bears ended with migration um, or climate change, they believe. Um, agriculture, ultimately, with Alaska, people were very nomadic, like most people were, you know, thousands of years ago. But as with everywhere else, agriculture, where you were raising your own farm animals and growing your own crops, it meant that people could stick around one particular area, which is why it became less nomadic. 
The video also talks about how oil has led to a very profitable economy, but now there is a rift between the people of Alaska who want to profit from oil and those who want to keep it the same and protect the environment. Now, there's also a really good multiple part series by Al Jazeera who do really good documentaries. It's on YouTube. It's called Our Fight to Survive. And it covers each episode, which is only like less than 10 minutes long, covers women, um, women in trauma in Alaska, the environment, animals, all kinds of things. Now, it covers from the early days of outsiders um, basically coming into Alaska when the Europeans first came in and they were bringing all these diseases that the Alaskans weren't used to. And Native Alaskans were dying left, right and centre. They believe that two thirds of the population of the Native Alaskans died then, which is very similar to when we talked about what's his name? The guy who went to North Sentinel Island and tried to communicate with the tribes, John Chow. Um, you're introducing like all kinds of things that they're not used to and it can kill them. Now, it also goes into women and their trauma and how young Native Alaskan women are really trying to revive old traditions, which really reminded me of, I read that whales, um, is whales less and less with each generation is losing the language, the Welsh language. Younger people aren't learning it. So they're really trying to get a push for them to learn it because it's one of the oldest languages in the world and it's incredible to listen to. Now, according to PBS, Alaska's Indigenous people, who also are referred to as Alaska Natives, are divided into five different groups. I'm sorry if I say this wrong. Aleuts, Northern Eskimos or Inupiat, Southern Eskimos or Uit, Interior Indians, Athabascans and Southeast Coastal Indians, Tlingit and Haida. Now, as I said, unfortunately, with the traditions dying off, unfortunately, many of the over 200 native Alaskan languages are dying off as well. And increasingly, more natives prefer to be called Yupik, which is the better word for Eskimo. But they also do, as I said before, use the word Eskimo. Now, I've read a bit about their history in regards to their citizenship. So on IndianCountryToday.com, I was reading that Alaska Natives were not considered citizens of the United States for 57 years. So from 1867, when the US bought Alaska off Russia, to 1924, when the Indian Citizenship Act was enacted, Alaska Natives could not own land. They could not file for different claims. They could not hunt in certain areas. They could not vote um, unless they were able to pass a literacy, literacy test. And they also had to prove that they were abandoning their native lifestyle and religion. Now, this reminded me a lot of very almost identical to Australian Aboriginals, um, you know, and how they've been treated. So in a minute, I'll get into that. Now, the US sorry, um, ultimately in 1971, there was this Claim Settlement Act, which paid back a lot of the Alaskan natives um, monetary settlements for taking over their land. Um, and they retained through to that 44 million acres and they received almost $962.5 million in compensation for the lands that had been taken in the past. So I think they've got a bit further than Australia in regards to that. Now, when I was reading about this, I decided to Google, were Alaska Native children taken from their homes? Because that seems to be a common thing um, across the world. And it is something that happened in Australia. And one day, I mean, we will talk about that. And I'll have Lorena on because she's better at those kinds of things than me. Now, 
From the early 1900s to the 1970s, Alaska Natives were taken from rural communities that lacked schools, primary or secondary schools, and they were sent to boarding schools that were run by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Um, And later on, they were run by the Alaska state government. And this happened for like 70 years, which, I mean, they were sending them to schools there in Australia. They weren't even doing that. They were just sending them to work for different white families. Now, Indigenous women in the US, which reminds me of just up north from them, the Indigenous women of Canada, um, they face some of the highest rates of murder in the country, according to the CDC. And the rate of sexual assault among Native Alaskan women is more than twice the national average. Murder is the third leading cause of death among American Indian and Alaska Native women. And rates of violence on the reservations can be up to 10 times higher than the national average, which I'm sure you've heard about. When I say the third leading cause of death is murder, that shouldn't be the case. That should be like the 20th. It should be heart disease, cancer, um, fucking, you know, being hit by a car. It should be a million things before that. So that's a mind-boggling statistic. Now, when they did a report on the issue of violence on the reservations and violence in general towards you know, Alaska Native women and American Indian women. According to the National Crime Information Center, in 2006, there were 5,712 reports of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls. But if you know NamUs, which is the missing persons database, which a lot of people talk about, including John Lorden on YouTube, those were the reports. But in NamUs, there should have been 5,712, but there were only 116 logged. So they never even went that far as to log them into namers, which is fucking terrible. So now that you know kind of a tidbit of all of this about Alaska, let's get back to Kathleen Henry. Now, once police were got hold of this SD card, starting an investigation, it was incredibly quick, like impressively quick um, to identify Kathleen Henry as the woman in the video, which is just a terrible thing. But you're, if you're expecting a long kind of Golden State killer, decades long investigation into who murdered her, this is one case where justice was served quick. And it's very much to do with, I think, the intellect of the person who was committing this crime or these crimes. Now, One of the detectives, as I said, who was viewing the SD videos noticed the accent of this man and he quickly made a connection not only with the fact that this accent was very rare, but he quickly made a connection with a man who was somehow involved in an investigation that was ongoing and that this detective had kind of questioned months before. They've never said what he was being questioned for, but I have my suspicions. Now, the police have never disclosed why, but this man was the only South African that this cop had met in the city. And on the video of him raping, beating and murdering Kathleen, he's talking in his South African accent. Now, I want to say South African behind Scottish, shout out to patron Lorna, is my favourite accent. Like, it always sounds like you're going to kill someone. It sounds like you're ready to fucking fight. Sounds like you're not fucking around. And I really love it. I don't like it when it's on Oscar Pistorius. And I don't like it when it's on Leo in Blood Diamond, but it is a really good accent. So shout out to people who have that accent. But in this case, it's on a horrible person. Few South Africans call Alaska home and the accent is one of the most recognisable in the world. And we have been to South Africa before, um, once or twice. I know 
we did for the Norwegian girl. Sorry, I've done like almost 100 episodes. Um, Marie Ostbo. Within two days of the SD card being found and the woman contacting the police, police had confirmed, gone to the Marriott, because remember the title of the SD card was murder at the Midtown Marriott, so it wasn't very hard. They had gone to the Marriott and they had found out that the same man that this police officer suspected, the South African man he knew, had booked a room at the Marriott over the days Kathleen vanished and it matched with the dates on the SD card. So he's pretty much done all the work for them. This man's name was Brian Smith. They also found Kathleen's body um, thanks to a call of someone who came across it. She was strewn off a highway just outside of Alaska and this was around, um, sorry, just outside of Anchorage and this was just around a month after she disappeared. Police also were quick to get phone records and they found that Brian Smith's phone had pinged on the same highway at the same time he would have been throwing her out of the car in the early hours of the morning after that last photo was taken on the SD card loading her into what would be his truck, a black truck. What a dumbass. Cell phone, I'm not rooting for him to win. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to kill someone, like, how much of a dumbass do you want to be? Cell phone records also showed that Brian Smith returned to the Anchorage area on September 6th. Now, by October 7th, police had a warrant for arrest that was issued, but Brian Smith was away. So they had to wait till the next day when he would be flying back from being away, which they've never said where he was, um, probably in another state doing something. But the next day, police formally arrested their suspect at Anchorage International Airport and he really didn't put up a fight. So who's Brian Stephen Smith? Um, And I've said why they use the Stephen. It's just because Brian Smith's a really common name. So if your dad's Brian Smith and in this area in Anchorage, people might start trying to torch his house. That's why they add in the Stephen. So Brian Smith was born on, what are you doing, Cinnamon? On March 23rd, 1971, in the Cape Town area um, of South Africa, which we've been to towards before for the Marie Ostbo case on the garden route. He was 48 at the time of his arrest. Now, he grew up in a city called Queenstown, which is on the Eastern Cape, the opposite side to where Marie Ostbo vanished, because believe me, I quickly checked my dates to make sure that this guy wasn't in the same area, but he wasn't. He was in Alaska. The Deputy District Attorney, Brittany Dunlop, said, quote, "'We take every case and every victim as they come.'" These were two Alaska Native women, and I know that hits home here in Alaska, and we're cognizant of that, unquote. Now, Brian was very quickly charged with 14 charges, including murder in the first degree and second degree, sexual assault, tampering with physical evidence, and a later charge that I will tell you about shortly. Now, this man had no criminal conviction, either in South Africa or in the USA. He hadn't been there very long, and most describe Brian Smith as a meek man, quiet, kind, caring, and quick to anger. His friend Debbie back in South Africa said, quote, I spent so much time alone with him and I never felt threatened by him. I would phone him in a tiz about the computer and he was unflappable, unquote. Now, I reckon he has a bit of a nutty look, me personally. He has a bit of a Jack Nicholson mental look in his eyes, but it's not in a like charming way like Jack is. It's like in a nutty way. And I have made him the picture for Spotify if you're listening on Spotify. Um, now, I get the feeling that Brian Smith never had a set career and there's no talk of him being married in South Africa before and he didn't have any kids. 
He's passed in both the USA as well as in South Africa. The police continue to look into to see if he got up to any more shit. But there is a post of his that indicates he might have served in the army at one point, and that was heavy founded on his then active Facebook. But he is probably full of shit because he was like, oh, it's this cold in Alaska, but when I was in the army in South, it's like, fuck off. So the most consistent information we have on Brian Smith comes from his relatively new American wife. He met her when he was back in South Africa, never been to America. She was in Anchorage, Alaska, and they started online gaming and started chatting on it in February 2013, about six and a half years before all this shit went down. By the next month, they were Skyping back and forth. Now, this woman, it's not a misprint. So her name's Stephanie Bisland, and we have another example of a Casey and Barbara situation from a previous episode because Stephanie is 21 years older. She's quoted as being 69, which that just can't be right when I've seen photos of her. So who knows? Maybe she's in her 50s. She was an Alaskan. And really, to me, things that she said back in twenty early 2020, I, I can only hope that she has changed her mind. Now, Stephanie, after... Brian was arrested. She told The Independent, quote, we then knew our real life names and began to talk about things other than games. We also became Facebook friends. So we learned about each other, sharing posts and pictures. We continued to get to know each other more. With the time difference, we Skyped twice a day. Sometimes our sessions were hours, unquote. Now, soon after meeting online, he really was like using this very quickly. And this kind of gives me the shits from experiences that I've had. Just a few months later, Brian tried to get a visa to work in the USA to then be able to visit Stephanie, but it's a really restrictive process. I don't think people understand how hard it is. I think I've told my story before, but I was sponsored by my work. They paid a fortune. Um, Everything was done. I came back to Australia, but every month they accept a certain amount. And if you're not in that month, they throw it out and that's it. And America is very similar. You either have to be a highly skilled person who my friend from uni, she became an embryologist and she now works in the United States because she's highly skilled. You can't just go there and like work in Walmart and, you know, get a visa. Now, That month, July 2013, just a few months after they started talking, Brian proposed to Stephanie on Skype and she said yes. Now, I found this really interesting thing on Heavy, which is the only um, publication that has even talked about this. And they showed her Facebook page that was then up, Stephanie, that said her different jobs that she'd had. And it said she was a, quote, former administrative officer at US Immigration and Naturalization Service of Anchorage, which isn't that like a conflict of interest? Like, couldn't she have somehow been involved in like fiddling things around so he was able to move there? Looking into people's histories and things, as much as people think that it's a human right to move somewhere else, it is incredibly important. Now, in August 2013, still like four months after they started talking, just months after they met, she flew to South Africa to visit Robert. Now, she said, quote, I first saw him I first saw him rushing over to me in the German airport. We were both excited and happy and not awkward at all. The next day we drove to escort and stayed in the guest house he managed. He proposed again on his knee. We sat closed and talked. We sat close and talked. The management didn't kick us out. 
I realized I just called him Robert. <laughs> His name's Brian. <gasps> That's like the mark of someone I fucking hate when I just never get their name right. So he proposed again on one knee. We sat close and talked. The management didn't kick us out at closing and left us alone, talking until cleanup was done and the smiling staff were going home. I think they saw something special was happening with us, unquote. <clears throat> so they toured around the local area of the Eastern Cape and Brian bought Stephanie a token engagement ring before she left to go back to Alaska. Now, the following month in September 2013, Stephanie petitioned for a visa for her now fiance of like six months. And by March 2014, Brian landed in Washington, D.C., where Stephanie met him. Um, he was clearly on a spousal visa, which are really hard to get. Stephanie's friends who were living in Washington, D.C. threw the two an engagement party and they visited kind of local tourist spots and there's pictures of him outside the White House and stuff like that. They then left to go to Stephanie's home in Anchorage. Now, Brian gave Stephanie his mother's De Beers flower-shaped engagement ring and they were married on May 17th, 2014. After he was arrested for horrible shit. She said, quote, Brian took care of me. He is a clever man. He was proud of my accomplishments. He loved to pull pranks on me and laughed like a kid at his jokes. He has a good work ethic. He has an open, he was an open, pleasant, normal person, unquote. Now, she also said that he was very generous. He would often turn up with presents like of things that she had discussed. I don't know whose money he was using. Uh, maybe his own saved up ones. Who knows? But she had mentioned a violin once and he turned up with them. A book she liked, he turned up with it. She said, quote, oh, sorry, I've, I've re repeated it. Sorry. So I don't know what Brian was doing for a job while he was there for like five years in the US. He was listed when the police looked him up as self-employed. So I can only presume he was sponging off Stephanie, who at this point was an accomplished blues musician and trying to be an actress. So at home, they made a greenhouse um, from a pile of windows. He helped to make props for a stage play she was in. They ate sandwiches and talked while sitting at the side of a mountain and swimming with him in the ocean in Hawaii and in South Africa. So in February 2016, the couple visited South Africa again, this time so Stephanie could get to know Brian's family. They travelled from Johannesburg, they toured around the Southern Cape to Brian's hometown, which was Queenstown, um, as well as a city called East London, which is in South Africa, where he had lived and worked. And there was no indication from any of his family or friends that this guy was a kook. She said, quote, it was a fabulous vacation. We hope to go back for another visit this year, unquote. Now, she said that in, she meant 2020, that wasn't going to happen anyway, Stephanie. So he and his wife and their cat, and I hope he didn't do anything to that fucking cat, they lived in the Geneva Woods subdivision in Midtown Anchorage. Now, in recent months, police were able to find, once he was arrested, a lot of kind of dirt on Brian Smith. As with many men who seem to think that they're experts in things I've noticed, Brian Smith answered a lot of questions on that Quora website about South Africa. He's clearly thought that he knew all of it. Um, he was the Nelson Mandela, although I don't think he'd want to be Nelson Mandela. He really kind of, when people ask questions about South Africa, he really thought he was an expert and he talked about apartheid and Africa's history. Now, in August 2019, they were able to dig up an answer that he gave to a question on Cora about whether all white people assumed that black people were criminals in South Africa. 
Brian, the expert in South Africa, wrote back, quote, white people don't assume it. Everyone assumes it when they look at police crime statistics. Wherever black people go in the world, there is an immediate rise in crime. It is a statistical fact that blacks are 600% more likely to violate the law, unquote. Now, I can't, even just being objective, I can't even tell you how many things are wrong in that, um, what he said. That's, it's just insane. Now, this wasn't the first time he had written this kind of shit online. Now, Heavy were able to dig up Stephanie's, sorry, his Facebook page. And there was a 2014 post that had him writing basically on some political like kind of link on Facebook. He wrote, quote, please keep sending money to the blacks in Africa so they can buy soap to wash the blood off their hands. The black Africans are only this blatant about their racism towards whites because we have all these bleeding heart whites who feel sorry for these savages, unquote. Now, one of his kind of touring pictures, I guess, from when he first got there was outside the White House. Um, and his caption wrote, checking out my soon to be new house, Barry, can you please move your butt and get out? Unquote. And I don't think that that shouldn't even be in the, that's just a joke. I don't see anything wrong with that. He's referring to Barack Obama. Now, Brian had only just one month before his arrest become a naturalized US citizen. So he was biding his time until he became that. And then he decided to kill people. And I mean people. At the time of Brian's arrest, Stephanie, his long-term, I guess, wife, was on holiday in Virginia um, visiting friends. And the detectives actually flew down to Virginia to question her to see if she knew anything and to show her the evidence that they had against her, the love of her life, I guess. Stephanie said on learning about his arrest, quote, I was horrified and could not believe it. No one who knew him believed it, unquote, which is a kind of common thing that you all hear about. But then again, Ted Bundy had like a long-term girlfriend. So Stephanie told Anchorage television station KTUU that the month before he was arrested, he had reported his vehicle had been vandalized and that his wallet, documents and a briefcase with phones and other electronics had been taken. So he had reported being vandalised, probably hoping that he would get this SD card back before anyone looked at it and would just think it was lost property when he realised it was missing because he's just labelling things murder at the Midtown Marriott and then he just drops it on the ground. Now, she said it wasn't unusual for Brian to have memory cards lying around from cameras and other gear that he had. He would often work on kind of broken electronics and she she figured it was normal. Um, And she never saw any of them labelled. That's her story anyway. Now, clearly Brian had dropped the SD card while walking around and I so hope he shat himself trying to look for it. I can picture him like running around the streets, like looking in bins, trying to almost getting hit by a car, just panicking and good, fuck you. Now, he also owned a black pickup truck that was the exact match to the one that Kathleen was seeing her body being loaded back into after he left the hotel. And I don't know how he got her out of the hotel. Now, Photographs on the device also picked up his license plate, number plate as we say in Australia, on the pickup. He actually had filmed it. Like what a dumbass. When was he going to rewatch these and where was he keeping it that it, he was just able to like drop it somewhere? Did he have a hole in his pocket or something? So that brings us to another woman. Veronica Abuchak, I think is how you say it, was 52 and she was reported missing along time earlier in the year to Kathleen in February 2019. Her family had not seen her since July the previous year. Now, wait until you cast judgment. She adored her family and children, and 
her kids had family photos of her as this budding, beaming high school graduate in 1985. And at the time, she loved going out for lunch and shopping and she loved going on holidays and she loved her grandchildren. But at some point, and it was her choice, Veronica opted to go homeless. And according to one source I found, she she liked it that way. Some people do do that. Her niece said, quote, Muma said one of the last, sorry, her niece is called Muma. Muma said one of the last times she saw her Auntie Veronica, as she called her, Abu Chuck was standing on the side of the road in the Fairview neighbourhood. She asked her husband to pull over so she could say hello and give her a hug, unquote. So she was living on the street in Anchorage. Now, one of the saddest things is that not one news source except the Anchorage Daily News reports something extra tragic for Veronica's family. In 2005, one of her sisters, who was 35 at the time, Martha, was found beaten to death in a park in Mountain View, Anchorage, and her killing is still unsolved. So how tragic is that for two sisters to both be murdered, probably by men with the second one? Now, when Veronica Abichuk was first reported missing, one of her daughters wrote on Facebook, quote, I don't think anyone should have to go through this, just hoping she's alive and well. Another woman wrote, quote, my heart is so hurt for my auntie Veronica, for her babies, my aunties, and especially my mama, unquote. Now, police earlier in 2019, I think a couple of months after Veronica had finally been reported missing, had discovered a skull with a bullet wound in it, but they hadn't identified who the skull belonged to. So it was kind of just kept, you know, on ice. Now, with the evidence stacking up against him in Kathleen's murder, Brian finally decided to confess to another murder that he had done. He confessed in custody to Veronica's death, and he had also dumped her on a highway. He admitted to shooting her in the head and dumping her on the side of a highway. And again, no one knows how he came into contact with her. So on top of the 14 charges, including the murders and all of that, with Veronica's case came an additional charge, which is terrible, tampering with evidence and misconduct involving a corpse, which was Brian having sex with Veronica's dead body. Brian was not given bail due to being a flight risk. He could have gone back to South Africa and had someone hide him. At one of the hearings, the Alaska Daily News reported... Quote, also at Monday's court hearing were activists Joanne Saka and Natasha Gamash, who wore red handprints across their faces, a symbol to draw attention to the missing and murdered Indigenous women movement, which seeks to draw attention to higher rates of violence against American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls, and to put pressure on the criminal justice system to properly investigate and prosecute these cases. Stephanie added that she and Smith exchanged letters. This is Stephanie the wife, she said that she was visiting him in prison, that they were exchanging letters. And at the time of the last kind of report about a year ago, she was standing by her man's side. Now, his bail was really too high for him to even kind of reach anyway. Um, And she said that when she visited him, they never discussed the case, but they just discussed, quote, just us. Some people are hot on why I haven't divorced him. Why would I stand behind him? Why visit? I am his wife. I take care of his welfare, how he is mending. I can do things for him from the outside. I think he needs to communicate with someone. I am helping the part of the man I married, unquote. Now, Veronica honestly needs a friend and she needs help because I'm sure that none of her friends have stuck around. She is deluded. She is one of those women like 
Mark David Chapman, who killed John Lennon's wife, who is still married to that guy to this day. It's okay to walk away, Veronica. Sorry, Stephanie. And it's okay to (laughs) admit that your brain's not fucking working right. I just, I get so mad about women who fall in love with like killers. I was watching like a clip on Facebook the other day and it was this young, dumb bitch who was getting married to this guy and she was moving from England to the US to marry him. And someone had written in the comments, look up what he did. And he had set fire to two people. And she said in the video, I don't care, I love him. It's like fucking whatever. So the police aren't really sure how Brian met the two women, but both were homeless. And I can only guess he either offered to give them a room for the night, ask them for sexual favours or something, told Kathleen that he had a room at the Marriott and he, she could stay there. He clearly planned this because he had booked the Marriott room um, and then he was probably just trawling around. He probably knew that they were regulars. Maybe he had struck up, struck up a conversation with them or bought them a coffee or something sometime. I don't think it's that hard, you know, when they're homeless and when you're kind of desperate, not so much with Veronica, but Kathleen, I, I don't think it's that hard to kind of pull the wool over someone's eyes. Now, as the police are looking into his background, I too would be both in South Africa and in America because I can't see a guy at 48 starting to do this. I think serial killers start at an average age of 27. Um, South Africa being such a volatile place, I would be looking into that because there's so much crime. I just find it hard to believe that his family, friends, no one suspected even like some sort of dark side. Now, the trial hasn't commenced yet due to COVID. It's been about a year. Most trials take a while to, you know, get to court. But if convicted, the mandatory penalty for a murder is 99 years. So he will go away for life. Alaska does not have the death penalty. So imagine that woman had not seen the SD card or she had picked it up and thrown it out like I would have. I never probably would have looked at it. The Anchorage Police Department really thanked her and made a statement, you know, thanking this woman who stepped forward and really being a busybody, but ultimately in a good way. They said, quote, they played an instrumental role in making sure Smith will be held accountable for his actions. This serves as another example of when you see something suspicious, say something, unquote. This case reminded me of like the SD card version of BTK, if you know his case, how he sent in a floppy disk and they were able to track it back to him. I think these days it's just really hard to get away with something and he clearly dropped it somewhere and it was as simple as that and I'm, it's almost like the universe making him drop it, I think. Um, and it was crazy that two days after that they found Kathleen's body it was almost like the minute that they had that SD card, she like sent, she sent them to find her. I just think it's, you know, unbelievable because it had been about a month. And I just thought it was interesting that an accent can give someone away and maybe it is an important tool because they are so distinct. And even within South Africa, there would be different types of South African accents. So I'm sure if they weren't able to pinpoint who it was, they could have got like a South African expert to tell them where this person would have been from or something like that. And I'm really interested to know how the detective had had a run-in with him before, what the case was that he had been kind of questioned about. My immediate thought was he looks like a guy that would wank in public. He looks like the guy that would like jerk his dick in public. That was my immediate thought. So let me know what you guys think. But I'm just glad that they were able to do that. 
And, you know, it really sucks because it's like Veronica wanted to be homeless and it is risky. And I mean, you take those risks on when you choose that. But they both look like such gentle women, like such friendly, cheerful women. And I'm sure that he was able to kind of get their trust over time. That's what I think. Just interested to know what he did for a living because, I mean, I think Stephanie's an idiot and a year on, if she's listening to this, I do hope that you aren't visiting him anymore. You weren't married to him for 73 years like the Queen and Prince Philip. You were married for like six years and you walk away if he's done that to another woman. You don't try to make excuses. You, When that trial comes, I really hope she sits on the side of the courtroom of these women's families and not on his side because I don't think anyone else is going to be there. And women, like you're better than that. It's better to be alone and I think some women are too fearful of being alone, that even they feel better, even if they're visiting someone in prison, that they're not alone. But being alone isn't the worst thing that can happen. And I can I can tell you that is true. So, yeah, thank you to Elizabeth um, for requesting this. Um, I never would have probably done Alaska otherwise. Thank you for giving me like a specific place because I, I like when people just give me a country. That's probably easier, especially when it comes to like exotic countries but yeah thank you for giving me a specific like state or something like that and if you guys want to choose a state you know specifically in the US for some time um please do so visit the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com become a patron it links off the website but you can download the patron app and search for the podcast name um also I've set up a paypal if you just want to give a one-off donation that would be so appreciated right now you do not you don't not even know. The email for that is unknownpassagepodcast at gmail.com. Um, leave a review if you like the show. I just love the recent reviews I've got about how, you know, it's a standout podcast and I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon. It is something unique. And I'm just really glad, like, in May last year, I just sat down and did it. We're coming up on a year, which is crazy. And I think for the year anniversary I should like do a live one where I actually film myself that's really scary to me <laughs> the prospect of it like to put it on YouTube for like a one-off or something um but I'm just so scared of like flack from people and people picking at me yeah it's just scary I don't know how people do it and just get up there because I can talk when it, no one's looking at me but I can't do it you know if someone's looking at me so next week I believe it's going to be Nara, patron Nara. I'm getting through these and that's why I'm kind of giving you like two a week and I'm really enjoying it. So it'll be Nara, Jenny, Tegan, Lorna, Jamie Kay, Stephen, Jessica and one second and Laura, the newest one. So yeah, um, I hope that you got something out of that or learned a little bit. I hope that you have a good weekend, Saturday morning here, and I'm going to get on with things. So yeah, thank you so much. Bye.